The Rigger Gambling Feed is back every Monday. Join myself, Joe House, Raheem Palmer, and John Jaszewski for East Coast Bias. Sunday's action recap and our favorite bets for Monday Night Football. Then on Tuesday, we got the Roster Diamond Show where I'll break down everything you need to know in the betting world. Plus, the East Coast Bias Boys will be back on Thursday to help you get your betting card sorted ahead of all the NFL action. And then on Fridays, it's me back with Warren Sharp, deep diving into the analytics. So be sure to subscribe on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected. Subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Think about all the stuff you can do now on Sundays after the Super Bowl's over. Adventurous activities. You need a Hyundai to get you there. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure with features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive. You can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Welcome to the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. My name is Danny Heifetz and I am joined by Danny Kelly and Craig Porlbeck. And Sunday of Week 12 is over, baby. We're giving out awards for the day. Reminders, TK's got a waiver column coming up. FantasyFootball.TheRinger.com. That goes live on Tuesdays. Nice. Our rankings go live on Thursdays. And then we'll have a waiver show helping you out uh, on Mondays for waivers. And we're going to our Sunday recaps and our... Friday previews are going through the whole regular season and we're doing the playoffs. So it's not just when fantasy ends Then we're going to the NFL draft show. We're doing the whole off season. Keep that in mind. Even your fantasy season's over. My bad. Probably. But we go the off season too, baby. Trades, draft, everything. So stick with us. For today, only one place to start. Eagles beat the Bills 37-34. Bills were up 10 points at halftime. Bills blew the lead. Then the Bills took back the lead. The Eagles almost blew it at the end, but then Eagles kicker Jake Elliott makes a 59-yarder in the rain, which hit the back net. Very impressive. Yeah. You could make the case it's the most impressive kick ever. Genuinely. <laughs> 59 yards in the rain it in was Philadelphia? A yeah. It was to like, end the game, to force it to overtime? I mean, that was an impossible <laughs> kick. He snuck it yeah. in the right corner. A piss rod. It, a it, pee it rod. Was, yeah. Well, it was raining like Inception when the rain makes some peace. So like, I don't know, maybe. But it hit the back net. So I feel like that's an extra 10 yards. So it was actually kind of like a 69 yarder. But yeah, then the fact I that don't it was understand raining, the trajectory on it. It was like a just flat. Dude, it's like in golf. The lat, you know, I'm not good enough as a golfer to like play the wind. I'm like, how the fuck do you play wind? I, it's like, that's <laughs> crazy. So he kicked it with the wind. But then the, there's only been 13 kicks in the 21st century that were made from 59 yards with five minutes left in the game. So the, you take that, and I peruse through him. I don't know how, if the other one... He, Jake Elliott, his first, like, his actually second career game he made one against the Giants. But, like, I, five of them were in domes. I don't think any of them were in the rain. So, like, I think you're right, Craig. It was one of the best kicks maybe ever. Yeah, and you brought up such a good point, like, four weeks ago that we've all become desensitized to how 
good these kickers are now. And I didn't even really think about how like 10 years ago, a 52 yarder was a big deal. And now when I see 59 yarder, I'm like, oh, you know, he'll probably make it. But the fact <laughs> that this guy just like booted a 60 yarder in the pouring rain to force overtime is incredible. I mean, Tony Romo was out here being like, yeah, they can't kick this. They might have to do a Hail Mary. Like it was insane. So that's got in the overtime. And then Josh Allen basically they should have won the game. Like Josh Allen had the game winner touchdown to Gabe Davis. They weren't on the same page. Gabe, Gabe Davis turned right. Josh or Josh Allen threw it right. Gabe Davis turned left. So they settled for a field goal. Bills go up three, but overtime rules now. Eagles get the ball back. Jalen Hurts gets the second chance. They go down, score the touchdown. Jalen Hurts gets a winning touchdown. One of the five touchdowns Jalen Hurts had on the day. So he got them the, the 37-34 win. And the Eagles now have four straight games where they were down at halftime and they won the game, which ties an NFL record. And it was such a strange game. I mentioned Jalen Hurts had the five touchdowns. He didn't really play well for a few quarters. And then by the end, he was like the reason they won. And I'm curious, DK, he was, Jalen Hurts was the MVP favorite coming into the day. Do you think Jalen Hurts is the MVP favorite because the Eagles are 10 and one and we have to give it to someone? Or do you think Jalen Hurts is actually the MVP this year? A little bit above? Yeah, I was going to say, not to fence it, but it's like right in the middle. I, I basically think he's going to be maybe one of the weirdest MVPs ever. This is something we talked about on Bill Simmons' show the other day. He's not even playing Flex. like his best ball. Like he's not even playing as well as we've seen him play in the past. You know what I mean? But he just keeps finding ways to get it done, finding ways for this team to win. And the argument that I would put forth for Jalen Hurst being the MVP, it's not even like what he does as a passer necessarily. It's the encapsulation of what he does for that offense overall. And a lot of that is with the value he brings as a runner. You know, they have the tush push, which is one of the most unstoppable plays. It completely changes the math for their offense. He's a good runner, uh, you know, on design runs. He The game winner was a basically draw play um, designed for him to do it. And I don't know, man, like just the fact that he is such a good, effective, successful runner paired with the fact that he, you know, is a decent to good passer. He hasn't been as good as he normally is this year. Um, but he did end up with three passing touchdowns in this game, even though he, I think he had like 33 passing yards, like somewhere in the third quarter. It was not looking good for him. Um, but the, you know, late game Jalen Hurts is back. He's been awesome late in games, fourth quarter is overtime. What, what strikes me about the Eagles this year is, man, you, you really got to play a perfect game to beat this team because it feels like they don't need to play a perfect game to win. Every single week I watch the Eagles and I go, oh, you know, this, they can't really run the ball today or oh, Hurts looks a little gimpy. He can't really run today or, oh, he doesn't have it throwing it or, or, you know, the, the secondary is getting killed. And yet they win all these games Four of their last five games. They played the bills, the chiefs, the, the Cowboys and the dolphins. And they've won all those games. And in none of them have, I thought they looked dominant. It's funny. This comparison is way too on the nose, but they're, they're kind of like Rocky because it's like, they just keep taking <laughs> hits over and over taking and over. So many punches. Yeah. And the game ends and they won. And you're just like, how'd they win? They didn't, they didn't even look like the best team today. Jalen Hurts is, uh, is a start at 29 and two is I think it is last 31 games. Jeez. I believe that includes the playoffs, which is pretty crazy. The, uh, you know, it's funny. It's, I always, when I, I like, there's um, a couple places, a couple of people on Twitter. I'm sorry. I don't have your names in front of me that do a great job of reversing one score games and also reversing all game ending kicks. And so I try to think about if Jake Elliott had missed that kick oh, and the Eagles cool. had lost what we would have said, because I always think it's funny how we can switch the narrative based on whether Jake Elliott makes like the greatest kick we've ever seen. But I will say, even then, it's like losing to this Bills team. And then, you know, it's funny to think that the Eagles' only real loss is the Jets, which 
what Jalen Hurts had three picks and it was the worst game of his career. Because I think you're right, Craig. It's this weird mix that the Eagles are not as good as they probably were last year when they had 70 sacks and one of the most prolific pass rushes ever. And but at this, I think you're right that they are kind of the Chiefs now in that it used to be if you the Chiefs were never a perfect team with Patrick Mahomes. But if you like gave them too much oxygen, if they were the serial killer, that if you didn't kill the Chiefs dead with like double, triple tap, the Chiefs came back to get you. I think the Eagles have taken that where it's like if like the Eagles, they had to throw three hurts had to throw three picks against the Jets to get it done or else they still probably would have won that game. Like the Eagles are the team that you cannot make any mistakes against. I, I think you're totally right there. The but also this Bills team, there's no shame in if they had lost to this Bills team because the Bills played really well. They had, Allen made one mistake. I feel bad for the Bills. I feel bad for Josh Allen. I really do. Because I, I hope, I, I, he's not going to get shit on this week because he had an amazing game. He had 40 fantasy points. He was incredible. But I don't know. There's like a weird narrative going on around Buffalo about this team. You know, if they kind of falling out of- Leading the league in picks. Like the Bills, it's like their time is kind of over, I feel like is the narrative now. Stefan Diggs is angry. He's tweeting. If anyone should be tweeting, it's Josh Allen. This man is doing everything he can to <laughs> fucking win these games. The hate's got to stop. I mean, I think there are moments where I feel like he is the best quarterback in the NFL. And I, and I still feel that to this day. There are moments watching this game where I'm like, this guy does literally everything for this team. It's like watching Jokic or Luka or something in the NBA. Every single positive play runs through Josh, more so than any other quarterback in the league. And he lays it on the line every single play. He's he's like the outfielder who sprints into the wall to try and catch the home run. <laughs> yeah, uh, he's a great passer. He, yeah, he makes a, a dumb player to a, a game. But like, I I, th- I think Josh Allen is is underrated right now for what he's doing for this team. I think the ironic part too is Craig. If they would have won this game, it would have been like Josh Allen's MVP candidacy. <laughs> right. Like, you know what I mean? Like his oh, whatever coming out party or whatever. Like he's putting his name back into the hat as the MVP. If they would have won this game, of course they lost. So now MVP is so narrative driven that it's not going to happen probably. But, um, you know, at, at the beginning of this game or during the game, we were like, Oh, is he the MVP actually? Maybe. Well, we talked about them as a, a sneaky Super Bowl contender. And I like still kind of agree. It's weird because the bills are in this weird situation where it's like, if they, if they make the playoffs, which they might not, I think they could get to the Super Bowl. But like yeah. they also probably won't make the playoffs. Like when has that ever been said? It's like if they can get into the playoffs, I think they're the best team in the AFC. But they probably won't make the playoffs. With the new playoff rules, it's like the opposite lately. It's like oh my god, this team's getting into the playoffs. <laughs> like that, that's ridiculous. The playoff picture in both conferences is insane because if you look at the NFC, the Eagles are ten and one, so they're probably gonna get the one seed. The Niners are gonna win the NFC West. The Lions are probably gonna win the North, maybe. And then you're like, oh, the Falcons are gonna win the division. They're five and six right now. And then you're like the Vikings and the Cowboys, like the Seahawks, like all oh, these teams that the Seahawks got battered on uh, Thanksgiving Day. And like the Seahawks right now are a playoff team. Then the flip side is the AFC. I mean, you look at the wild card, the wild card stuff, the AFC is crazy. The number one seed today changed hands four times in a single day. I don't know if that's ever happened before, but I think the Dolphins had it as the one seed. They're in the fourth seed now. Then the Jags had it. Then the Chiefs had it. Now the Ravens have the one seed. But then the flip side, the wild cards are the Steelers and Browns are both seven and four. They're wild cards. The Colts are a playoff team right now. The Indianapolis Colts with Gardner Minshew are ahead of our our beloved uh, C.J. Stroud-led Texans, the Denver Broncos in a five-game winning streak, the Bills, the Bengals, the Raiders, and the Chargers. Like, how, like, think about that for a second, that the Texans, Broncos, Bills, Bengals, Raiders, Chargers, and, of course, the Jets 
are all behind the Colts for the last playoff spot. I don't feel good about any of these teams. I'm telling you, if, if the top four seeds in the in the AFC, if if the Bills played these teams in a head-to-head matchup in the playoffs, I would I would pick the Bills over the Ravens, over the Jags, over the Dolphins. The only team is probably the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs I would probably take, and they should probably be favored. But it's like I, every team in the AFC other than the Chiefs, I think the Bills are better than, and yet they're six and six, and they're the tenth seed right now in the AFC. <laughs> that is insane. And uh, to be clear, though, the the Bills they're ten, but the culture, so again, just as a reminder to everyone, the there are seven teams from each conference. Now there are 14 playoff teams. They took away by, so now there's seven, three wild cards. So the Colts have the last wild card spot, but they all have six wins. The Colts have six, the Texans have six, the Broncos have six, the Bills have six. There's tiebreakers, and also the Bills are six and six. They're going on by after this. But the problem for the Bills is the schedule, where the Bills, oh my God, what is their coming schedule? It's so Chiefs disgusting. Cowboys next two weeks, I think. Yeah, that's absolutely disgusting. But think about how much funny it would be if they beat the Chiefs coming up and then didn't make the playoffs again. How incredible. It honestly feels be? like a winnable game to me. Yeah. I, I mean, so I, I think you're totally right, Craig. And I, we should make that a running bit where we talk about some big game as if the game winning field goal had just not made it and just like do the narratives that way, because you're totally right that Josh Allen would be talking about, wow, what a superhero dragging this team to a, a playoff positioning with the bills. It's like when the best movie doesn't even get the best picture nomination. It's like, I, I, I actually yes. feel like the Bills are, are like a top four team in the league. It's like when Get Out wasn't nominated and you're like, this is yeah. the only movie. You're like, we're not going to remember The Shape of Water. Actually, I think it, Get Out was nominated. Uh, was it? Oh, well, whatever. Should have won. But Edward, your point, your point pers- uh, remains. I know what you mean, but yeah. Ed Werder at ESPN tweeted, the Bills are the 40th team since ni- 1970 merger to have 500 yards, 10 third down conversions and a positive turnover margin a game. I know it's a weird stat, whatever, but the 40 teams have done that first team to lose. They were th- teams that had all those benchmarks were 39 and 0 entering this game. The Bills came into this week fifth in DVOA. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, it's ridiculous. <laughs> They're 10th in the conference. <laughs> Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Think about all the stuff you can do now on Sundays after the Super Bowl's over. Adventurous activities. You need a Hyundai to get you there. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure with features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive. You can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. DK, other than the Bills maybe missing the playoffs, what is the most surprising to you on the, when you look at the AFC standings right now? Uh, the Broncos? 
probably winning five in a row. The Broncos are on fire right now. Who saw this coming? I, th- there was a, the time early in the season where we're talking about Sean Payton getting fired and, and them moving on from Russell Wilson. And, you know, this breakup was coming really, really quickly and how they'd wasted all these first round picks on Russell Wilson and Sean Payton. It's like all of a sudden this team is gelled. They've won five games in a row. Uh, I saw the stat from Bill Barnwell after giving up 70 points to the Dolphins. The Broncos have given up a total of 80 points in the last five games. So um, obviously their defense has been a big, big part of their turnaround. But I think Russell Wilson's playing really well too. Like relatively mostly mistake-free ball. I wouldn't say that he's like carrying them necessarily. Um, but, you know, they're a good team and they beat they beat a good like Browns. They, they basically picked apart a good Browns defense. Today. I was like very surprised how easily they were moving the ball on the Browns. I thought the Browns would like you know, just drag this game into the mud. It'd be like a really ugly game. And the Broncos move the football. I think it's one of the best Russell Wilson's best games is a Denver Bronco. He had an awesome game. He had 134 passing yards and 30 rushing yards. So if you look at the stat line, you're like, what are you talking about? But he was awesome today. <laughs> like yeah. him, him rushing at the right times. Uh, I think he had the most rushing yards he's had all season or maybe the second or third most. But that opening drive, they marched right down the field and scored. Russ ran the ball. I think he kept it three times, looked super spry and just... Really smart with the football. Uh, made some awesome, like, under-pressure deep throws to Cortland Sutton. He, it just looked like vintage Russ, where, like, the stat line's weird, but he played great. Yeah, it's it's like, after all the, like, let Russ cook stuff, it really was, this game was like, here's how you're going to beat the Browns. It's don't turn the ball over and control the ball. And he kept doing, throwing the ball to where they couldn't pick it off and letting his receivers try to make ridiculous stuff. And it's instead of let Russ cook, it was like, hey, just micro, re, here's some leftovers, reheat it, don't screw it up. And he just did it perfectly. Like, you know what I mean? Like he just microwaved everything perfectly. Yeah, they've they've gone up against a bunch of hard defenses too. They like, obviously they played the Browns today. They have played Minnesota, who's been really stingy defensively this year. They played the Bills. Before that, they played the Chiefs. Now they're stretched to playing Houston, the Chargers, Detroit, three teams that are like bottom 10 defensively. So I'm actually curious to see if this offense takes off even more. Like Javante Williams seems like fully healthy and back and looks good. Cortland Sutton has emerged as like a real guy. P Ryan looks good. They have a nice little running back trio. Judy is getting three catches a game. Maybe he'll up it to four. We'll see. <laughs> Perhaps it's a dream. I also want to just shout out the Colts, who are the actual team who's in the playoffs right now. The Colts beat the Buccaneers 27-20. Colts have been incredible. I actually weirdly think the Colts are one of the most fun teams to watch, which I never thought I would say, but Minshew is Minshew. And I, I think Pittman, I, like he's not y- like yards after the catch fast, but he, Pittman kind of drags defenders with him like a tight end. Josh Downs has been so fun to watch at receiver, but he's good. Shane, Shane Steichen, the head coach has done an incredible job. Austin Gale here at the ringer has been on this for a long time, but like the the defense, the Colts cornerbacks are in shambles. Like they started, uh, a seventh round rookie named Jalen Johnson, a cornerback. He's like not even the best Jalen Johnson defensive back in the NFL. Like there's another Jalen Johnson. How many Jalen Johnsons are there? Yeah. Two, one went in the seventh round. He was like the better of the two starting cornerbacks. Their defense has no real pass rushers. They cut Shaq Leonard, who was like their best defensive player of the last decade. And they're still winning. They're in the playoffs. Like with Anthony Richardson out for the season and Minshew, like Shane Steichen has just done the incredible simplicity of what's this defense bad at? We're going to do like, we're going to attack that. Like today they just, the Colts, the Bucs are incredible at stopping the run. The Colts were like, all right, yeah, balance, whatever. And they had like almost twice as many passes as designed runs. Like, even though they have Jonathan Taylor, they're like, yeah, today, you know what? That's not going to be our thing. And they won the freaking game. They were 27-20, and he went for on fourth and one on the drive that they took a 10-point lead and basically won them the game. Went for on fourth and one through a uh, pass to Mo Ali Cox, the tight end. Shout out VCU. That got 30 yards. And I just Shane Steichen's done an incredible job. And I think if the Colts do hang on uh, to a playoff spot, he'll probably win coach of the year. 
it's pretty impressive that he's he started with Anthony, Ricky Anthony Richardson and Zach Moss and like made it work and the offense is good. And now it's Jonathan Taylor and Gardner Minshew and it's like a completely different offense, but it's still just as effective. We joked about the Saints. We were like, oh, the Saints just win games and nobody talks about it. That's now become the Colts. The Colts are the Glansburg team. And Michael Pittman's probably the Glansburg player of the year. Where, I mean, this guy is like automatic 15 fantasy points a game and we don't ever discuss it. It's a media thing where we can take the L where we're all like, oh, we're ready to talk about Anthony Richardson. And then he gets hurt. We're like, all right, forget you. And then we're just Lucille Bluth for the next month when they keep winning. And it's like, I don't understand it and I will not respond to it. I really hitched my wagon to Michael Pittman last year. Like that was my guy. And then it was a huge flop. And then I jumped off the bandwagon and now he's great. So that's. Snip snap. This is, I think, you know what the lesson here is? And maybe this is, has already been discussed a lot, but invest in a backup quarterback. Who's oh my good. God, yeah. You know what I mean? Like Gardner Minshew, he, he turns the ball over a lot. That's like his main issue, but he's also pretty feisty in, I don't know. Like there's just something to him. Like he distributes the football to his good players. He gets the ball out. Um, and he, he just gives this team a chance where like so many teams, like the Jets are the perfect examples. Just fucking punted on the backup quarterback position. It ruined their season. Yo, DK, this is, this, this is, forget everything I said. That's a better assessment of the day. The Jets have two fewer wins than the Colts. Gardner Minshew yeah, makes $1.8 million in salaries for his cap hit is three and a half million dollars. How many ga- wins would the Jets have with Gardner Minshew? I feel like that. I feel like they'd have seven, maybe eight wins. with Gardner. It'd Minshew. probably be t- like 11 and 0. <laughs> like, I, like that's a great, it's again, I, I, the, at least the Rodgers thing, I get it. But again, it's like the Colts, they, in theory, could have traded for Minshew after week one. So I mean, it's uh, great. I mean Dobbs and Minshew, the, the Vikings and the Colts, the, maybe the two smartest teams in the league. Look what happens. You go after a backup quarterback who's competent and your season stays alive. I had somebody um, mention this. One of my buddies mentioned this to me today. And it's basically in, in response to how we were talking about how teams don't get backup quarterbacks from like big programs and like guys that are actually good or in theory decent. It's like, Part of it is because they don't want the controversy if the starter starts playing poorly, where they're like, oh, everyone starts clamoring for the backup. You know what I mean? But like at the same time, in That's this so stupid in this world where quarterbacks, you know, like are getting hurt really a lot. And there's also a big like concussion thing where, you know, you can miss a game or you can go out of a game early and then you can miss the next week because of all the new concussion rules. It's like, dude. That should not matter as much as it used to matter. Just get good players and just have and just be a good coach. You know what I mean? Like just help be clear with the media who you're going to start or whatever. I don't know how it's going to work, but like that's not a good enough reason in my mind for you to absolutely just have a like shitty backup. Like it just makes no sense to me. No one wanted Garter Minshew. Like Philly traded him to Jacksonville, and then I think Jacksonville released. I can't remember exactly how the the order went, but like nobody wanted this guy. It's it's bizarre, and he's like his numbers in the NFL over the last like couple of years are like pretty decent. I think this is the other thing is like not to get off track, but like what the jets are doing with Tim Boyle versus Trevor Simeon. It's like, why don't they start Trevor Simeon? I don't understand this. Uh, I, I literally couldn't explain it to you. The, um, the <laughs> you're totally right. It's like the Eagles won the Super Bowl with Nick Foles. And then we all just like pretend that never happened. And our teams did not learn the lesson. The only team that learned anything from that was the Eagles who drafted Jalen Hurts behind Carson Wentz. And look right. where that got them. Also, yeah. Craig, I don't want to, bl- Jack, I told Jackie this today, and I, I'm going to tell you. Flex. Who's yeah, Jackie? Hi, Fitz. <laughs> for the people who don't know at home, for any new listeners, who's Jackie? My girlfriend. Oh. <laughs> Steelers fan, Jackie. is like, Craig, do you know, Jackie asked me, why don't the Steelers take Jalen Hurts? And I'm like, Jalen Hurts embodies a lot of the Tomlin stuff, like loyalty. 
Uh, you know what I mean? Like Jalen Hurts not transferring after he was benched for two. I'm like, that's some Mike Tomlin stuff. All the values and everything. Also, he'd be such a great stealer. And I, I forgot that Steelers traded their first round pick for Minka Fitzpatrick that year. It's like the first time in like 50 years they had in there in the first. But four picks before in the second round, the Steelers could have picked Jalen Hurts and instead they took Chase Claypool. So noodle on wow. that. Uh, I mean, Claypool did have 10 touchdowns his rookie year. Yeah, so, there you, go. you know, you call it a know. wash. The, but wow, hey, you're Mason Rudolph at backup, so. I hate playing this game. It's so, it's that's like so, so depressing. That one's annoying because in the moment, it was, that would have been a good pick for the Steelers. Like in that, 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 in that you're right. Josh Dobbs to the Jets. We didn't know that after one week. Minshew, that's real. What year was this? 2019? 2020. 20? God. So it was like right in the middle of like washed up Ben Roethlisberger, Duck Hodges, Mason Prime. Rudolph. <laughs> Prime. Duck oh. Hodges. I forgot also, about Duck. Dude, Duck, yeah, that was, dude, learning that a grown man was named Duck was like one of the wildest things <laughs> Duck ever. Duck Hodges era. That um, was fun. Also, while we're going back in time, I, I know this happened on Friday, but we have to, while we're talking about the Jets, the Jets Hail Mary on the Black Friday. Oh, yes. That, that was amazing. Uh, yeah. the, which I don't think it's the butt fumble because the thing everyone forgets about the butt fumble was the Jets Patriots supposed to be a competitive game. And then the butt fumble happened, but they were, they lost like 40 to nothing or something. How, with that said, is the Jets fail Mary with the context of everything around this Jets season and Tim Boyle basically being Aaron Rodgers' friend that then had to start and Zach Wilson going from first to third string and I'd be active for the game. Is this the second most embarrassing play that any team's had in our lifetime? Like any team. Like for well, those I who would, didn't see it. I would put it, like, it all the way up there, but Tim it was Boyle, bad. Yeah. They tried to have a Hail Mary at the end of the game. No, end and of the first half. They return, at the end of the first, sorry, the end of the first half and the Dolphins returned it all the way for a touchdown, which capped the stretch where the Dolphins through two picks in a row and two, the Jets defense got two picks in a row in the two drives. The Jets, uh, I think the Jets did a pick six. The Jets missed the extra point. So the special teams missed the extra point. The Jets defense gets another pick. The Dolphins then get a pick six. So they actually, the Dolphins make the extra point. So the Jets defense got two interceptions and in back-to-back drives and they netted out with a larger like deficit. They were, went down an extra point. Because the Jets scored the six and the Dolphins got seven out of it. So the Jets, they got two. I bet that's never happened ever before where defense got two picks in a row and went down more. So like, it, which I feel like is the whole season. We're recording, uh, you know, in different rooms right now. And Heifetz put up a peace sign and balloons, virtual balloons surrounded him. get that again. Did you say birthday or something? That was weird. I don't know. It was like the automatic thing on the iPhone where if you say happy birthday, it like does like an effect. Congratulations. Same with congratulations. Yeah. 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 Anyways, seriously, like, is that the worst play? I would say, like, on the embarrassing scale, I'd have it, to go it back and watch Duck Hodges, the, the Duck Hodges year again. <laughs> yeah, but maybe it just was classic. It was just classic Jets. Switching gears here, Craig. Yeah, uh, switching to a like a fantasy uh, category here. I want to talk about good old running backs, good old veteran running backs. Cold weather. It's December. In five days, it's after Thanksgiving. This is when you need to rely on the old stick shift stick shift truck that gets you up the hill. The running backs are back, baby. The final fourth of the year, it's always running back season. And I, today was like a real kickoff point. We had eight running backs with over 20 points today. We had B. John Robinson, Kyron Williams blew up. Jonathan Taylor, Derrick Henry, good old Derrick Henry. Josh Jacobs had a huge day against the Chiefs. Isaiah Pacheco was awesome. Mostert and McCaffrey on Thanksgiving were both great. Um, this is what we talk about when we say running backs win, win championships in fantasy football. Like if you have these like stalwarts on your team, 
you just have a leg up. And like I, the biggest one of today has to be Kyron Williams. He had 35 fantasy points. This was his first game back in a while from injury. And he's literally just Christian McCaffrey. Sean McVay, man, really knows how to use a, a damn running back. 143 yards on the ground, 60 yards to the air, two touchdowns. He is literally Kirkland McCaffrey when he's on the field. Just like the one, just the amount of touches he gets. Like this guy plays 99% of snaps. He gets the entire load unless they're they're up a bunch like they were today against Arizona. But Kyron Williams is is right in the mix for fantasy MVP and he's and he missed a month. I know the difference. I know that the, you know, it's, this is the Cardinals. So like opponent obviously matters, but like the impact, the difference Kyron Williams makes versus like Daryl Henderson and, and Royce Freeman last couple of weeks is insane. Like he gives them so much more juice. He's so much more dynamic. Um, I remember watching like the Seahawks 49ers, uh, the, the announcers were talking about like, Oh, what is, what makes Christian McCaffrey so special? And they couldn't really like nail it down. It's just that he does everything really well. Um, I think Kyron Williams, he, obviously he's not Christian McCaffrey, but he's, he falls in that bucket where he's just good at football. You know what I mean? He's not especially big. He, he was not a, a big tester when he came into the NFL. Like that was why he fell. I think he was a fifth rounder or fourth rounder. Um, and he's, but he's just Ram. really freaking good Nukua. at football. He's yes, exactly. Good. Exactly. He doesn't have the speed, but he's just really good. It makes slow guys dolphins. miss. <laughs> yeah, slow dolphins. <laughs> Porpoises. Uh, but anyways, he's impressive. He's he's really impressive. Like you said, like the utilization is insane. Like McVeigh is just going to lean on this guy down the stretch. I mean, is he going to be a first round pick in fantasy drafts next year? I know. I was trying to think I, about I, that. That's a yeah. great question. And honestly, if if they don't sign it or draft it at the running back of significance, how can I you? Know, like, how, I don't how does know that how make any be. sense? Why the hell would they draft or sign somebody? He's like the best player in fantasy football if, this year. Well, I mean, the fact that they he got hurt, hurt and then they had to sign Daryl Henderson, who like they waived and he never got another job with well, the other teams. They can bring in teams. like a you know, like a, a solid backup, like a Devin Singletary type. But I, to me, they're, they're, I don't see them like signing some stud running back or taking a running back in the first two, three rounds, right? Why would the you? The control issues with the Shanahan tree is the single biggest inefficiency we've had this year. Like the fact that Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan don't trust anyone other than like this one guy on their team to do everything. And so McCaffrey doesn't come out of the game and Kyle Shannon cares about his touchdown streak and, and Sean McVay is like, all right, back from the high ankle. Cool. Don't, don't come out of the game, please. The treaty like it's Max Crosby here, but, but by force. So I don't know. I agree. Kyron probably is a first round pick next year at, at this rate. That's insane. It'd probably be a second rounder. If everything holds, I bet he'll go in the second round. But like why? It doesn't come off the field. It, I don't know, because people are going to hold on to the fact he was like a fifth rounder in real life or whatever. And he got hurt. Yeah. The flip side of Kyron is the other thing with the running backs today, as Craig mentioned, I think, what, eight running backs had over 20 points today. There's been a lot of quiet bounce backs from all the veteran running backs that were by low candidates, like a bunch of vets who started slow. Ramondre Stevenson for the Patriots looked genuinely like injured on the worst offense in football for the first month. He's been a top five running back in fantasy over the last month. Jonathan Taylor with the Colts who had this holdout. We didn't know if he was going to play. And then we didn't know if he'd come back. Jim Mercy was going to fly the whale or orca from Florida to the Northwest <laughs> for 20 million bucks. Then the orca died. <laughs> and fucking storyline. Yeah. yeah. And then Jonathan Taylor got a contract. Did I dream that? I can't believe I'm saying this. <laughs> like the, <laughs> this is like the happened? never, never uttered sentences before. It's like, <laughs> and then the whale and then the orca died. And then they re-signed Jonathan the Taylor. Back, it's like, a, it's like a, the whale died. It's like you ever wake up and try to tell your partner the dream you just had. <laughs> you don't care as much as you. Like the, the oh rich God. guy wanted to move a, a, a whale from one side of the country to the other and then he died so then the best player on the team signed with the team 
And she's like, what about the salary cap? And I'm like, I don't know. It was, I don't know. Somehow it doesn't, it, it, it isn't the backup related, running back was still better than the guy who signed for like a month. And, and <laughs> yeah. Anthony Richardson got hurt anyway, but Jonathan Taylor's been a top six running back over the last month. I don't know if it's the Orca energy, but what he's knocking down. Orca ships. energy. I don't know. <laughs> Big Orca energy. Josh Jacobs looks slow. As DK said, just play himself into shape for the first month. He, Almost he like looks he had like a, a guy situation. who skipped training camp. Yeah. 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 And today, Josh Jacobs is a 63 yard touchdown, which was his longest play of the season. He's got, he's got, he looks explosive again. You ever try to do workouts at home? It's just not the same as a gym. 100%. It's not the same. You can do as many push-ups, sit-ups as you want. High knees, like, oh, it's not going to be the same. There's no chance you do sprints as hard when there's not 52 or at training camp, 89 other guys running alongside you. You know what's funny about that? You know what I just learned? This quick tangent. That marathon runners, you know how you have a pacer, somebody running in front of you to keep you going? Yeah. Did you know that you, you, you can't have a pacer for like the final stretch of the marathon and you can only have a pacer for for like four to five miles at a time. And then they leave and you have to swap in a new pacer. And then for the final, like 10 miles, you're not allowed to have a pacer. Why? I don't know. I, I don't know if it's like, uh, they, they don't want, they, they think it's like an unfair advantage or it like distorts, I don't know, your actual ability or something like that. But yeah, you don't have a pacer at the end of a marathon. No, email us over your fantasy football, If you are a runner and can explain the pacer thing to us. I'd never heard about this pacer thing. I didn't know this. So you can have some random person just come in and run like certain portions of the marathon with you. I wonder if it's like baseball limiting mound visits or I, or I guess it's <laughs> kind of like, well, they shut the radio off for the head coach, you know, talking to the quarterback right before the play. Maybe it's like that, but for the well, whole thing. Cause like the guy, Kip Chogi, the, the best runner in the world, he, he hasn't broken two, two hours officially in a marathon, but he did break it on his own. But because he had a pacer the whole time, they don't count it. You ran yes. a marathon in two hours. He did it below two hours. Jesus Christ. It's, it's like running an unofficial 40 time. <laughs> That's insane. Uh, Dude. We'll have to go down the rabbit hole of marathon. How running far at could we get in yeah. two hours? I don't want to know. Uh, oh my God. Dude, anyway, I've drive, driving up 95, I haven't gone 26 miles in my car in two hours sometimes. <laughs> God. In LA, uh, no way. No, God. Anyway. That would actually be a pretty funny... Uh, they should have marathon runners on like the 405. They should shut down one lane. <laughs> Around and have, the have Kipchoge run next to me trying to get to the Spotify office on like a Tuesday morning. No, it's you keep <laughs> the same thing. It's you have the... You just shut down the one lane and just see what happens with the highway. And then he runs and see if... Yeah, exactly. Fade. Get America exactly. moving. That That's feels like a like a Nathan for you bit. <laughs> That's incredible. But yeah, running backs bounce back. Also, Tony Pollard, who we made a lot of fun of, and he's back, baby, endlessly right to the now moon. That, hope you got him. But you know, hope you had those diamond hands, baby. Yeah, diamond hands rewarded. He had like 150 touches in a row that a touchdown. He's got two straight weeks. That's two. That's a streak. Count him. So yeah, all the ball, by lows are delivering. On the running back side, but um, there was we, we kind of buried the lead here. I feel like the biggest news of the day, at least for this show, Craig. It's so uh, pathetic that the Steelers beat the Bengals by six, and everyone's like <laughs> dancing naked in the streets. But nonetheless, the Matt Canada era is over, and the Steelers broke their 400 yard immediately. Streak. It's great. it's great that it's like literally immediately the first opportunity when he's gone, they went over 400 yards and actually looked like a competent offense. Who knew? 50 plus, ga 50 plus games in Matt Canada. They never broke 400 yards. They had 421 today. It was the most in a game since 2018. 
Pat Fryermuth has 120 yards. Pickett has his highest yard in total of the year. He throws for almost 300. They're taking shots. Yeah, man. Six explosive plays. Best of the year. Steelers are back. It's wild what can happen when you like activate the other 85% of the field, you know, to operate in when you're talking about the middle of the field. Like the, everything was to the outside or short. Um, I think we were making fun of Heifetz or whatever. So, for someone the other day for like picking up Friar Muth in the, in the waiver show. And it was like, they don't throw the, to the middle of the field. Why would, they, why would you pick him up? Turns out they can throw to the middle field. Kenny Pickett is capable. Uh, I wouldn't say Kenny Pickett was like amazing in this one, but... He's solid. It opens up the game. It just opens up their offense so much. It's it's amazing. It's it's. He started six really for seven in the first quarter, and they also used tight, so they used three tight end sets. These Fryermuth and Connor Hayward and Dar- Darnell Washington, our beloved. LeBron, what if LeBron played football experiment all together uh, <laughs> at the same time? Three tight end sets because the Bengals are good guarding tight ends. Which you know, wow, not rocket science. Do what the, t- the other team's bad at. And so Kenny Pickett had more yards to tight ends today than any game in his career. However, on one hand, I want to be like. Wow, great job, Steelers. 33 pass attempts, 33 rush attempts. What balance, Zen. On the other hand, I also want to do the field goal thing and flip it and be like, what if Matt Canada coached this game? Were we going to be like, wow, 400 yards. Great job, Matt. Or are we like, wow, he's got 16 freaking points against the Bengals who like didn't have Joe Burrow, you know? They should have had 23. Deontay Johnson dropped a wide open touchdown in his lap. That was a nice He, did, he dropped it, but Tomlin actually should have challenged it, which he got the third step down. And then I think Gene Steratore explained, explained that the third step nullifies the need to survive the ground. Yeah, you don't have to survive the ground anymore. It's very bizarre. The, the rules well, are In the end zone, weird. technically, right. the third step in a catch is the end of the play. It's the equivalent of the ball crossing the goal line on a run. You know what's funny about that is like, once again, that belies like what I feel like by just watching the game. Like, like to me, I watched that play and I was like, he dropped it. He fell to the ground and he didn't hold on to it. And now that's a catch? <laughs> Don't make me go on my catch rant again. My two sentences, there's 10,000 catches a year. And if you want to rewrite the rule, you're going to end up, you, you rewrite the rule around the 20 plays a year that bother you. And you have to rewrite the rule and you're actually going to capture more than 9,980 plays you didn't think of. That's all. They're doing a good job. That's my hottest take. Is the, the catch rule is great. The Steelers season started today. 58 regular season games in a row without 400 yards the day, the literal next game after they fire Canada. I mean, come on over 400 yards. I love this. It's fucking great. That's so good. We have to celebrate that. This is just the South park. Blame Canada. (laughs) Blame Canada, man. Look, they're at, they're playing the Cardinals at home next week. The week after that, they're at home against the Patriots. So very realistic shot. They're nine and four. Then they play the Colts, the Bengals again, and then Seattle. And that's it. I mean, Steelers could be 12 and 5. <laughs> what a world we live in. Oh my God. Steelers are the weirdest team in the NFL. Easily the weirdest season of the year. <laughs> it, I don't know who's second. Of the year. Easily the weirdest team in having a I know who's second. I know who's second. Um, so the New York Giants completed their trilogy against the New England Patriots and um, won. And or lost the bizarre Super Bowl with the Patriots today. I feel like the Giants won the battle and lost the war because they just, I mean, they beat the Patriots, I've never, 10 to 7, which is so brutal because that just sounds like a quarter, but it was the game. And I can't tell you how hard I was rooting for the Patriots in this game. And I, I, 
God, so, I'm so <laughs> upset. So the Giants, the, the Patriots are three and eight now. They have the third pick. The Giants are four and eight now. Have the fifth pick. The it's Patriots have for the, the Super Bowl. I believe the Patriots have the second pick. Heifetz. Do they have the second pick now? Unbelievable. So that's. Ugh. Oh no! Sorry, sorry, sorry. They they have the third. The problem it's is Bears, like Arizona, s- the New England. There's like seven teams tied for the fourth pick. So the Giants could get the like or for the with four wins. Giants get the fourth pick, but they're also like one win away from the tenth pick. So it's like terrifying. Tommy freaking Tommy DeVito is out here doing like the hey with the two fingers, like hey, like with the touchdown <laughs> with all the offensive linemen. His dad's in the crowd wearing the TD uh, chain and like hey, and I'm like got like this. I, everyone's doing about the Sopranos. And AJ Soprano is kind of the quarterback, but I'm thinking of the wire. Like there's a line, the wire was like this sentimental motherfucker just cost me money. And it's like this sentimental freaking Tommy DeVito is going to cost the giants freaking Drake Mayer, Marvin Harrison jr. And it, I, I, it, it's fine. Like the giants won the two super bowls, but I don't know. It's my brother and I have such different feelings about this. My brother's it's like, let's fine. Win games. The giants won the two super bowls. <laughs> He's like, that that's all that matters. So here's my question: Am I being ridiculous? And I'm, email us or your fantasy football gmail.com if you have thoughts on this. Do you, I, I don't know who wants to jump in first, but am I being ridiculous? Like rooting for my team to lose to theoretically get some pick when this deep drive. My brother is like, let's just win and figure it out later. And like, I get that you want to build cultural stuff, but part of it's like, is is winning games? Am I being ridiculous? Like, is winning games bad? Or is winning games good when you're clearly as distraught and directionless <laughs> as the Giants are? It's weird that they st- only start moving the ball when they need to lose. I don't think I don't think beating the Patriots ten to seven with Tommy DeVito is building culture. You should be I, you should be I wanting feel. to lose. Yeah, but here let me I, let me pose it to you this way. Do you think that Brian Dayball and Wink Martindale are the men for the job, and it sh- and they should stay, and it would be good if they were the long term, so you know, like offensive and defensive like leaders. There's some friction between them personally, I think, but I think, frankly, that's kind of like the frustrations that happen when you're very competitive you're losing. people who made yeah. the playoffs that are having the worst season of their careers. But having said that, unquestionably, I think that Dable and Joe Shane and this whole brain trust and Wink, everyone should stay. The defense is incredible for the Giants. Like, how many turnovers do they have in the last two games? Like eight? Or no, no, almost 10 turnovers in the last two games. The defense should stay. And I, Dable, I, we're not getting rid of Dable. Like, I think that's crazy. I don't care what's happened this season. Like, everything's gone wrong. The Giants have no good skill players. Like, I get, build a team. And so I, I don't think they should change anything. They should change the quarterback. I don't know. I, I'm like, I land somewhere in the middle where I'm, I like, Craig, I'm with you. I, this this particular win is not like building culture, but at the same it's time. It's culture in the way that American culture is like, we have blue is a flavor here. I don't, but at the same time, I do think things can get so ugly that it really sets you back more than like, oh, we'll come back next year and be good kind of deal. You know, like it's it gets gets into you. It like gets into the fabric of the team and like you start to like just be losers. You know what I mean? Losing like, I don't leads know. to I, resentment. Resentment I, I, is poison. Yeah. And I don't so I don't know exactly how to like say that, but I do think there is something to the idea that like. If everybody like if you're losing on purpose, everybody starts to hate each other. Everybody start, like lose their confidence. No one's gelling. No one likes each other. Like that it, that will that can carry over to the next season. But you know then it's I mean? like, oh look, Trevor Lawrence is here. I agree. Yeah, I agree. It's right. kind of like DK. I hear what you're saying, DK. And I agree. Like I am. In a, I'm the, talking about in a vacuum, not necessarily specifically yeah. for the 2024 NFL I'm, draft. You know what I mean? I am like the <laughs> champion of beating the drum. That like the quarterbacks that succeed disproportionately go to teams that have winning culture. Yeah. However, I agree with you, Craig, where it's like the, it's not winning culture. The Giants, how many, the Giants had six takeaways against Washington. 
and they had three today. That's nine turnovers. Damn. And functionally speaking, the Giants really won the Washington game by five. So that means that they have a margin of victory of really, I mean, the pick six at the end, but they really won the last two games by eight points and they had nine turnovers. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they, that's not <laughs> This is impressive. not a good offense. Yeah. That's not good. <laughs> and so, I like, yeah, it's like, what would the, like, the problem's actually when you get the quarterback purgatory forever. But I don't know, TK, let's just say right now, the Patriots get this first pick or something. I, look, it's November. The college football season isn't done. The draft process has barely started. But if you had to pick right now, that for whatever weird reason that I'm making up, if you had to make the number one pick right now, would you do Drake May, quarterback at UNC, Caleb Williams, the quarterback out of USC, the one in California, or just be like, ah, neither Marvin Harrison Jr. or Ohio State, who would you pick for the Patriots? I think, and, and to be clear, I'm not sure yet, or but Bo I think Nicks. I would... <laughs> yeah, Bo Nix. Uh, I still think I would pick Caleb Williams. I think just like the... The what the things he can do that is that are rare to me are like what like kind of sets him apart from Drake May. But at the same time, I think it's just going to be a stylistic difference, and no one's ever going to agree on this because they're completely different styles um, of quarterback. And Caleb Williams does everything out of structure. He has like this playmaking genius. He has a huge arm. He can make any throw off off platform. He's actually a really good runner too. Like there's so many things to like about Caleb Williams. Um, but Drake May, it, it's sort. It, I would say it's like trying to choose and this is the what how it's going to be framed it's like trying to choose between Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes stylistically like what do you want you know um so i i don't know i i still lean williams though i think you know everyone's annoyed with the idea of the patriots potentially getting Caleb Williams they're making the like spurs wemby thing like oh great the last time we wanted to get the best prospect of the last 10 years the spurs they got him and now the patriots a team who's been fantastic for the last 20 years might get Caleb Williams do you guys think if belichick leaves the Patriots and now Belichick and Brady are gone that the Patriots still retain that hatred among all fans or will you no longer care if the Patriots get Caleb Williams because Belichick is gone and Brady's gone and it's just like a new team now or do you think that will still kind of persist in people the hatred of the Patriots like if, if they hire Mike Vrabel and they get Caleb Williams will anyone be like oh great the Patriots got the best quarterback again or is it like oh well Belichick's gone now so it's not really the same thing anymore people hate teams fans more than they hate the team. Well, that's because, I mean, they have no relationship to the team. Like, yeah, the, the only way they interact with the team in their everyday life is with fans. That's the thing. It's like, I just, I, I, I don't want to generalize, but I feel like think about the teams you hate. And it's like, are those the teams that you hate? Because they either beat your team or are they the teams you hate because you had to deal with the people who like that team. <laughs> right. And so I think that as long as the Boston people in your life are sad, you won't care, but the team's bad. But as soon as the team's good, you'll be like, no, I don't want these people to be happy. Um, this is something that came up. I saw this on Twitter. And I apologize for I didn't. I don't remember who I saw it from. But basically, uh, right now, the Bears are on track to get the first pick. And their choices this year are going to be Caleb Williams, who his main principal issue is he doesn't play on time, which is like the biggest issue that Justin Fields has. And are, and are they going to be like, so like having PTSD from Justin Fields, like not getting the ball out on time that they're going to decide to go another way. And the, their other option is Drake May who comes from North Carolina, which is where <laughs> Trubisky went. <laughs> and they're like, is this guy another fucking Trubisky? No, the bears are just sitting there. Like, it's like, it's like, is this a trap? 
Yeah, like what do we do here? Are they just they should just punt and take this is the case I think where they just take Marvin Harrison. It's like the fucking Oedipus complex. It's like <laughs> yeah. you want to fuck your mother and kill your father. It's like well, I, you want to just draft Justin Fields or Mitch Trubisky. Like well, you got to do one of them. Which is it? <laughs> so unbelievable. Oh my God. This is why I don't think the Bears should be allowed to draft either of those guys. So do they panic and trade up and take both, or do they panic and just take neither? It's like you know what I mean. Oh my god! Well, there's oh. this. Maybe they'll panic and just keep Justin Fields and like trade down again. You know, <laughs> yeah, Fields is going to finish the season strong, and they're going to trade down to three and get Marvin Harrison and stink for the next three years. <laughs> and then Justin so cool. Fields is going to get sacked like ninety times again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's all right. So yeah, we're gonna NFL draft show. We'll get into all that. Yeah, just Coming nice in. little plug there. Yeah. Stick around. Don't touch that dial for the next two months. One month, right? Give or take. One month, right. One month, right. A couple belated thoughts on Thanksgiving. Um, Jordan yeah. Love and Dak Prescott had absolutely went off. Packers beat the Lions. Lions or the Cowboys destroyed Washington. Craig, uh, Lord, Jordan Love check-in. I waited to talk about Jordan Love till he was good again. I skipped the six weeks <laughs> back. I was going to say, I, yeah. <laughs> now's Never the better time. <laughs> this is your victory lap moment. Uh, I mean, yeah, he looks... Uh, he looks good. The poor Lions, just God forbid they win a game on Thanksgiving. This is the one time they were favored against the Packers who have historically been fantastic for the last 20 years and they still <laughs> God lost. Forbid. Um, but the, all the skill players on Green Bay looked really good on Thursday. And they're all like 23 years old. And uh, they look like a team where if they can stay healthy and, and stay together for the next two, three years. I don't know. Look, I don't know if I, I think Jordan love is that good still. I, I think he's, he seems serviceable and maybe he can, you know, uh, quarterback like a solid offense, but I think it's it, Matt LaFleur is an awesome coach and a great play caller, but yeah, I, look, I, I'm willing to eat my words and say Jordan loves not the worst quarterback in the league. I think that the Jordan love thing this year for me, has been a very good microcosm for, something that just kind of happens in this space in fantasy and and in draft coverage and basically just NFL coverage in general, which is you're, you can be right for a little while and then you're really wrong for a little while. And then you get right again for a little while. Like there's no, like you're never just right. And then the someone. next season we look at the average <laughs> and we're like, well, yeah. and it's like, it's never the average. It's like anything. you're, you're right or wrong for a little while. And then you're right or wrong again for a little while. But like my take on Jordan, cause like basically what, you know, obviously Heifetz like Jordan Love a lot in the offseason. He played pretty shitty from like week three to I said he'd be better eight. than Rodgers this year, which was correct. Yeah. True. Um, well, we'll see when he returns. You're wrong. You're, wrong. you're right for a while until he comes back. Yeah. <laughs> that was true. Um, I was wrong for four plays. And then. Uh, but I would say generally, I'm pretty impressed with Jordan Love. I think, honest, like, from a process point of view, I think I'm with Craig that he's never going to be like a superstar type receiver or type quarterback. But as a guy who's a facilitator of this offense and distribute the football and when they need to go deep, he can throw it deep. He's been way more accurate throwing down the field. Um, his touchdown pass to Jaden Reed on Thanksgiving was insane. He like threaded the needle between like four defenders and got it right to Jaden Reed at the uh, goal line. Um, but yeah, I've been overall pretty pretty impressed. I'm relatively bullish on him right now until I, until he proves me wrong in a couple of weeks when he starts sucking again. Yeah. He beat the chargers in the Lions defense. Congrats. <laughs> All right, but like I, it's still, I think the overall point still, it's such a young team. It's like, it, it, it's just yeah. also, it's hard to know why things happen. It, sometimes like he's missed for sure. On throws. Yeah. No, but it's I'm just, just saying right. like, why are we here? <laughs> it's just a literally chaotic God? system when like every skill player on the offense is not old enough to like rent a freaking car. 
You know what I mean? That's all. Imagine if, if God came to you, Heifetz, and he's like, I, you, I can answer one question. And you said, why do things happen in the NFL? <laughs> how, do you, how do you really know if a team is good? <laughs> Email us at ringerfantasyfootballgmail.com what you would ask God if you got the one question, but like wrong answers only. You know what I would ask? Here's a little transition. Is Dak Prescott actually the MVP of the NFL? And we're just not talking <laughs> wow. about it. That's what I would ask our Lord Pro and Savior. Pro move right there. Yeah. If Jalen Hurts tears his ACL next week, Dak Prescott's the MVP in my opinion. Remember the four-game stretch in 2020 before he, he broke his ankle when he was having the hottest start to any career ever? He was on pace to break the passing record. He was averaging 30 fantasy points a game. He's like kind of been doing that for the last five weeks of the season. Mm. He's averaging 29 fantasy points a game, over 300 yards a game, three and a half touchdowns per game. He has a 17 to two touchdown to interception ratio over that stretch. Granted, they haven't been playing the, the best teams, the best defenses, but Dak is quietly the number three quarterback in fantasy football on the season. And really has been a bit, yes, and has been He's a bit of a Glansburg. I got to say, crazy. Dak yeah. was the ultimate by low at quarterback. Yes, he really was. They, they, they had a couple awful public uh, uh, primetime collapses. And then since then, for like five weeks now, They've been destroying teams and Dak, Dak's been putting on a clinic. So I will say this. I don't think he's the, I think fantasy, he actually is probably the MVP of the last six weeks, just because if you, you might've been able to get freaking Dak for like Kyle Pitts or some shit. Like Dak was uncuttable, but for real life, the teams that the Cowboys have beat, they beat the Giants 40, nothing in week one. And that was like the defense had him up 60, nothing before Dak walked on the field. They beat the Mac Jones Patriots where Matt, the Patriots scored three points, Bryce Young and the Panthers, Zach Wilson and the Jets. The one real game they had was the Chargers, where they played Herbert one twenty seventeen. They played the Rams in the game that I believe that Stafford got hurt, and now they've uh, beat, they beat Sam Howell in Washington, and now the Giants again. So it's like I, maybe, that's, but the Bills game correct. coming up. If you have an argument for Dak, it's this they the, what the Cowboys play the Seahawks, um, coming up right. I think next week. Then yeah, they then play he, the then Bills. The Eagles. Or they, sorry, yeah, right. Then the Eagles. Like that to me is the Dak. That's the cat, the Dak stretch. I mean, yeah, look, like is, is he the most important quarterback on their, on, uh, on a team this year? No, it's obviously Mahomes and Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts. But if if you base this off statistics, who is having the, statistically the best season at quarterback this year? I mean, there's a strong case to be made that it's him. We'll see. Look, it, the whole thing with the Cowboys is they're like the reverse Dolphins, or they're kind of like the Dolphins too, but Seahawks, Eagles, Bills, Dolphins, Lions. That's a pretty, we'll, we'll see about Dak. The, the Dolphins have a similar thing. He did have 400 yards and three touchdowns and no picks against the Eagles three weeks ago. But yeah. There. All right, maybe. It's, yeah, this, is another, great, this is, it's another great example of you're right for a while and then wrong for a while. It's like you guys bullied me into taking Purdy over Dak a couple of weeks ago. And now when? Dak is like back. I'm not actually blaming you, but we do you remember when I think it was when the 49ers played the Cowboys in like week four or five? I can't remember exactly what it was. And like Purdy just sliced him and diced him. And then that was when Heifetz and I were like, okay, fine. We accept that Purdy is good. Craig left for like (laughs) one episode and we were like, ah, the Purdy. And and then I was forced to be like, okay, I guess I would take Purdy over Dak. But now I definitely don't feel that way. It was our rum spring up from from Craig. I was just like, yeah, I was just, you know, I was just going with the flow. But, you know, again, this is another reason. Like, I feel like the narratives on Dak change like the wind blows. It's just like. 
every every couple of weeks it's like totally different what what either what Dallas fans feel like or nationally what people feel like is Dak even the guy for the Cowboys like I feel like early in the season people are like oh they're gonna move on from Dak he's not even their quarterback that being said like no matter how if Dak wins the MVP this year I will still be betting against him in any playoff game <laughs> scenario well honestly the MVP for the Cowboys this Damn year it, is Duran yeah. the MVP <laughs> for the Cowboys this year is Duran Bland who was a freaking fifth round pick last year. Defensive back is a fifth round pick out of uh, what Sacramento State and Fresno State in college. And now he has five pick sixes on the season, which is already an NFL record, even though it's not even December yet. And the stat of the weekend that so many, thank you to everyone who added so us. We got so many this, tweets. That Deron Bland <laughs> has more touched, a, a freaking defensive back has more touchdowns this year than Kyle, Pitt, Kyle Pitts has in his entire career. In his career. Kyle Pitts has four touchdowns in his career. This is his third season. He is almost averaging one touchdown per season. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, Craig, I looked it up today. On a per-game basis, Kyle Pitts is the tight end 19. He's yeah. one spot below Jonu Smith in half PPR points per game. You know what what's so fuck? funny? It's so funny is how often did I read that stat in like the preseason that Kyle Pitts was not the number one fantasy tight end on the Falcons last year? And like, I so regret not being like the take purge, like that'll happen again. <laughs> I know. But, like, it's... <laughs> He's averaging <laughs> six points back. a game. So we do, we do two truths and a lie. And usually I do two tight ends who outscored Kyle Pitts this week and a lie. But I want to do... I'm going to do five players who have more touchdowns over the last three years than Kyle Pitts and a lie. So these are players over the last three years in the NFL have scored more receiving touchdowns than Kyle Pitts. I'm going to list you six. One is actually a lie. I know sometimes I usually just make them all uh, true. I still don't fucking believe you right now. No, either. I promise. <laughs> so six guys here, five of them have more touchdowns over the last three years than the fifth overall pick in the draft, Kyle Pitts, whatever he was. Fourth, Fourth or fifth? Yeah. Over Chase. Okay. Uh, Jarvis Landry. Remember him? Oh last time league. he played. <laughs> last year, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Tight end Michael Pruitt. Oh, God damn it. Tight end Adam Troutman. These are people who have more touchdowns than Kyle Pitts in the last three seasons. Running back Alexander Madison, just as a receiver. And Clyde Edwards Hilaire, just as a receiver. And tight end Robert Tanyan. <laughs> oh my God. So five the of those six. The second string tight end on the Broncos. So didn't no, Tanyan have like Bears? Didn't Tanyan have like eleven touchdowns in twenty twenty, but then like shred his like how many games has he even played since Kyle Pitts entered the league? Um so funny thing about Robert Tanyan is you are correct in that he had that giant year, but that was 2019. 2019. Oh my! Oh, sorry, it's 2020, but it was not the last three seasons. Michael Pruitt must have more because Michael Pruitt was the other Falcons tight end who finished ahead of Pitts last year. I'm going to say Troutman. I think Troutman's a lie, even though he scored a touchdown today. Oh no, he scored a touchdown today. <laughs> oh my god! You think that's that one into five? I bet Tanyan is the 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 lie because he was hurt. And Michael, Michael, I don't know. I, this is so hard. I don't know. We'll go with Jarvis because he's retired. Wait, hold on. First of all, let's let's frame this, these questions. This is the backup tight end on the Bears. This the number two tight end on the Bears. 
the the blocking number two tight end on the Broncos. The a running back, I can't even remember who yeah, the these other are. These are second string blocking tight ends and <laughs> the third, third string, string tight ends. end on the Falcons. And, and backup running backs who are catching touchdowns. <laughs> and Clyde Edwards Hilaire is like one of the biggest busts ever. Uh, okay. Yeah. I'm going to say Troutman. Or, or it's, yeah, okay. Troutman. Adam Troutman has more touchdowns in college. The answer is oh Robert Tanyan. Oh, oh wow. my God. Who barely four plays. touchdowns? Who has the same amount of touchdowns as Kyle Pitts in the last three years? We should just name it the Kyle Pitts Memorial Burn Book, which also Burn Book. Hello, Mean Girls is back with the musical. Still, know the answer. The best email we got explaining the Mean Girls thing was that um, people who want to see musicals will find the musicals without the trailer. People who don't want to see musicals don't want to see it in the trailer. That actually I thought that makes sense. sense. Yeah, but yeah. we kind of weird. Mean Girls. I know it is weird. Burn Book. Kyle Pitts Memorial Burn Book. Week one, we burn Drake London. The Falcons, week two, burn Kyle Pitts. Week three, Najee Harris, the Steelers. Yep, he's back. Yeah, week four, Dallas got it for the Eagles. Kind of forgot about week five and six. Things fell apart. Week seven, Damian Pierce for the Texans. Week eight, Miles Sanders running back for the Panthers. Week nine, we doubled up. Tony Pollard for the Cowboys. Deacon Metcalf for the Seahawks. Week 10, we did Trevor Lawrence for the Jags. George Pickens for the Steelers. Trevor's back, baby. Yeah. Trevor's back. Gabe Davis. Gabe Davis back. Should have caught the game with a touchdown. Gabe Davis back. Week 12. I have, do you guys have one? I have a very strong candidate. I, I think I do as well. Hi, Fitz, you go first. I would like to burn Cooper Cup for the Rams. That's who I have. That's who Cooper I was thinking, Cup. even though I have my reservations. But uh... Cooper Cup has not had se- seven PPR points in 40 days. It's a nightmare. This is a nightmare season. Absolute fucking nightmare. I'm in a waking, I'm in a waking nightmare. Please. You're in you're make in purgatory. Because what can you do? You're not going to not start Cooper Cup if he's if he's practicing and playing. You have to because he's oh there's always a chance he has 30 fantasy points. But the, the last five weeks, three, one, five, four, five. What are you supposed to do? Cooper Cup is literally <sighs> just a qu- quieter Aaron Rodgers, where he's also trying to come back from this injury way too soon, but he doesn't talk about it. Like, do you remember when Sean McVay said we're putting Cooper Cup on IR just because we don't want Cooper Cup to like convince us to put him in a game? So we're going to do like, it was like, it's literally like when you hide like, like chocolate from yourself and you're like, I don't want to eat this later. Like they just hid Cooper cup from themselves and it came back and now he keeps getting these ankle injuries and these injuries when he comes back in. And it's like, it, I, it is not better if you'd be hurt. I'm not saying that, but like it, Justin Jefferson being on IR means you have a different player in your lineup. This has been worse than having a different player in your lineup. This is like after a breakup, you have to like cut all social media, delete their number. I don't want to be tempted to put this guy back into my lineup. I think the frustrating part about Cooper Cup for me is not only that he just keeps getting dinged up and he's just not doing anything. He keeps like not being effective, but he's had like really gross, ugly drops too. Like he's actually playing bad. You know what I mean? Like every time I see him, he's like fucking something up. It's like so frustrating. I know. He's like clearly hobbled. He he hit cuts. Yes. He, he, yeah, but I agree with you. He caught a pass at the start of the game today and like could barely get up. He was like grimacing on the sidelines and yet he played the whole damn game. Craig, <sighs> you made the point that there's something funny and poetic about the fact that toughness is bad in fantasy football because in real life, it's great to grit out an injury. And in fantasy, it's actually terrible. Like guys like Amari Cooper grit out injuries. You're like, God damn it, Amari. Like Cooper Cup's playing for the Rams and we're like, God damn it, Cooper. Yeah, like like they've won the last two weeks and Cooper Cup being on the field means the defense has to account for him. They're doubling him. He, you know, Sean McVay can use him as a decoy, but the decoy is is one of the, the single worst parts of fantasy football. 
He's averaging 25 yards a game in the last five weeks. The, me, me plugging Cooper Cup into my lineup every week reminds me of the Jets starting Zach Wilson for like half the fucking season. I just need to let it go. I need to just accept that this is a sunk cost. They're playing the Browns next week. <laughs> God damn it, dude. Oh, what a nightmare. I hate this. What a nightmare. 2-2 two, two Atwell, big game today. <laughs> oh, my God. The running back oh had like God. six catches. So funny. Um, all right. Yeah, Cup's got to go in. All right, Cooper Cup, you're in the burn book. Very wow, terrible about this. Which you know, judging off how things have been going for the burn book candidates, he's gonna have a huge week next week. Yeah, there you go, dude. In our defense, Gabe Dave had like Gabe Dave had a zero, and then like a two, and then like a zero after that. Like he had to go in. He had to go in. There's our football analysis for the Sunday. We have to have a very important conversation, guys. Mm. Um, I would like to have a 60-second take purge. Some, you know, like a safe okay. space, if you will. Like, just, I would like a safe space. Okay. I sent you a video earlier today because you guys had not seen Dolly Parton's halftime show where she performed. Where was in the this? Game. And when was this? This is in the Cowboys game on Thanksgiving Day. And it probably tore families asunder across America. Um, I have one question for both of you. DK, I'm going to start with you. Age, uh, they say age before beauty, but I guess sometimes you don't have to pick. Mm. Dolly Parton. Would you? <laughs> oh, my God. Um, no. But, I mean, she looks great. For 70 she look, she or whatever. What is she? 77 years old? 77. Get the fuck out of here. That's insane. Um, Man, she's up there with like some of the all-time greats in terms of looks for her age. Craig? I'm a married man, Daniel. No, it's outside <laughs> the context of that. That's not, that's not what we're talking about. Then sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Worst case, great sure. story. Hell of an icebreaker, you know, at parties. Icebreaker? Who's going to start with that? I mean, it's a good way to like, you know. How you doing? You ever heard of the song nine to five? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. It's so funny. Like, did we have this discussion on or off the pot? I can't remember. But like, when you look at Clint Eastwood, like 40 years ago, he was still old back then. Yeah. And like what Dolly, what Dolly Parton is like, she's been around forever. She was old, like 30 years ago. She still looks great. You know, she's five feet tall. What? I knew she was very short. Um, Tiny. Did you know that she has a book? I don't even know what it, what the program is. Like, she sends us books every every month. Who's us? Like, my family. Oh. She, you can, like, sign up for this thing, and it's like she, like, sponsors these books, and she sends you free books. Kevin loves these books. It's like his favorite books every month. Also, she this funded whole the Moderna vaccine, which is just she an did. incredible footnote. Dolly Parton is an American hero. She's like, she's the best. She's a institution. She is. I, I, um, I, I went back and I watched the halftime show. You know what I was really impressed by is I actually don't even know if you can lip sync at a halftime show. I'm assuming you can, but maybe it would be hard. I don't know. She wasn't lip syncing clearly. And I'm like, this woman is 77 years old and put on like a 20 minute performance in the Dallas Cowboy Stadium and just wasn't lip syncing and sounded pretty good. Show Jack we're, Harlow we, how it was done. We're at an all-time apex for super old people performing <laughs> at concerts. 
It has never been like this. Mick Jagger goes up there for the Rolling Stones and Keith yes. Richards, and you're like, I can't believe these people are still alive. ACDC right? you know, is performing. Like, Rolling Stones are performing. Axl Rose is still out there performing. I, I can't believe that these like dudes in their mid-70s and 80s, Paul McCartney's performing, Elton John. There are so many people out there still going. They don't going. look like that. Well, okay, let's let's call a spade a spade here, all right? Do- Dolly's was 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 built in a in a doctor's office. <laughs> she's built div. <laughs> no, I'm saying I mean look, built she's div. got she's had some work done, is what Craig is yes. saying. Really? Yeah, I, I would say a couple things have, you, have been done. There's so? been a couple alterations, I would say. You sure? So it's like, yeah, she looks good, but like, you know. Still would. <laughs> oh, man. So the, non, the non-married guy definitely would bring this segment up on a pod. I just think the fact that like this 77-year-old woman looked hot on Thanksgiving as like millions of dudes were just with their families watching this was like the funniest possible thing. I, I get you. So you think it was that big of a, it was, it was that striking where everybody was, was taken aback by her beauty as she performed. I don't, I don't know what everyone else was doing. I know what I was thinking about. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> well, I can only speak for myself. Uh, email us your favorite, your, your hottest uh, octogenarians and your hottest <laughs> septuagenarians. This is the next power hour. Yeah. We're going to power. It's like Helen Mirren one teardrop. Heather, Lock, Heather Locklear. No. How old is Heather Locklear? She's not that old. She's she's not even a boomer. They have to be. We should. They're not even boomers. She's sixty-two. On, gotta, doesn't qualify. That doesn't count. They we have to seventy. Be on, they have to be eligible for social security. <laughs> My fault. My bad. At least they have to be. Where if you see that their name is trending on Twitter, you have to wonder. Oh God, <laughs> <laughs> that's the bar. That's- Oh my God. Bring your fantasy football at gmail.com. Thank you, DK. Thank you, Craig. Thank you, Carlos, for producing this episode. Thank you, Lord. Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Dolly. Dolly Parton. Can I, Nine to five, by the way, is my wife Liz's favorite song on the earth. <laughs> on the earth. <laughs> yeah. Not on Mars, but on earth. She loves it. It's a great uh, song. It's a great, great song. I think also, Dolly Parton is also you. written. She, hasn't she written a bunch of songs for people too? Yeah, like, she wrote, I will always love you. Oh, that's what you're saying. Yeah, there you go. Do the the Miley? Have you seen her performance? Because obviously she's uh, what Miley Cyrus's godmother, right? And the have you seen they do a wrecking ball duet into "I Will Always Love You," which is like a line in Wrecking Ball, and it's like the scene. It's pretty great. That's sick. I like that. Yeah, Dolly truly is a treasure. Thank you so much, Dolly. Seventy-seven years. Let's keep it going. Maybe we should all go to a show. Is she is she performing? She on tour? Pyfits, <laughs> I'm sure you know. When is she coming to Craig, you had like real, You had like real Vince Vaughn. Is she in the house? Is she, she's still around? Is she in the house? Where is she? <laughs> she motor butter? It's <laughs> like that energy. You sailor you. <laughs> they built for speed or built for comfort? I don't know if she's still touring. Luckily, Dolly Parton Tour2024.com. Oh, no, they want my Facebook login. Oh, no, disaster. <laughs> disaster scenario. I don't, Abort. I don't think she's touring again. All right. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye.